Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Come on, give it up for our wildlife kids and our wildlife guides. They do such an awesome, awesome job. Why don't you stand with me right now? Our wildlife kids can now be dismissed with your wildlife guides, I think. Yeah, you're going to have some fun today. And at the end of the service, I'll let you parents go over, collect your children, and they'll hunt, you know, those little things with, filled with joy. It's going to be a great time. I won't hold you long, I promise. Welcome to Easter at Life Point 2021. We are so glad you're here. Welcome back to those of you who are back. Welcome home, some of you. Our guests, we're so glad that you're here. Um, remember the announcements. I don't want to go through them again. I'm excited about this next weekend with Gordon Winslow, though. Just uh, you want to definitely be here for that. Look with me to Hebrews chapter 12, two verses. 12, 1, and 2. Wallace and Brenda, great to see y'all. Just everybody, just, just good to see you. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for, notice this, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'd like to call this today, it's not what you're going through, it's what you're going to. It's not what you're going through, it's what you're going to. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Inspire us. Encourage us, Lord, as we look to you, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The incomparable Wilma Rudolph was the 20th of 22 children. Morton Bustard always talks about being number 19. Nothing on Wilma. She's 20 out of 22. She was a preemie. She was born on June 23, 1940 in St. Bethlehem, Tennessee. She weighed a mere four and a half pounds at birth. She spent the bulk of her childhood in bed, suffering from various maladies, double pneumonia, scarlet fever, and eventually polio. And at the age of six, she lost the use of her leg and was fitted with a metal leg brace. But at the age of nine, she removed the leg brace and began to awkwardly walk without it. For the next four years, she developed a rhythmic walk, which doctors said was something of a miracle. That same year, at the age of 13, she decided she wanted to run. And she entered a race and came in last place. Over the next few years, she entered every race she could. And in every one of them, 
she came in last place. Everybody told her to quit, but she had a dream, and she kept running. And one day, she actually won a race, and then she won another race, and then another. She became a star on the Tennessee State University track team. And then this little girl, who was told she would never walk again, did the unthinkable. She qualified for the U.S. Olympic team and went on to win three Olympic gold medals in track. As a matter of fact, at the 1960 Rome Olympics, she became the fastest woman in the world and was the first American woman to win three gold medals in one Olympic, uh, Olympics. Here's the deal. To get to her dreams, Wilma went through some nightmares. But she didn't focus on what she was going through. She kept her focus on what she was going to. And I've come to remind somebody on this Easter 2021, to get to your dreams, you may go through some nightmares, some difficulties. You may be in some of those right now. But I have a word from the Lord for you. Don't lose your focus because it's not about what you're going through. It's all about what you're going to. Psalm 30 and 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The amplified version of that verse says, Weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. The literal standard version of that verse says this, At evening remains weeping, but at morning singing. In the 40th Psalm, the, the psalmist said, I was in a pit. I was stuck in the miry clay, but he brought me out of that pit, and now I've got a song to sing. Some of you may have been in a pit over the last little while. You may have been pitiful. I'm sorry for that, but you may have been pitiful. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But like David, the Lord's heard your cry, and I'm here to tell you he's bringing you out, and you're about to become a singer-songwriter. You're about to compose some new songs about how the Lord brought you out with a strong right hand. Back in the day, Julie, we used to sing that old song, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord some praise for that right now? Thank you, Jesus. Our reading says that like Wilma Rudolph, we too are in a race. It's an epic race with eternal consequences. That race in Hebrews 12 is a metaphor for us being who the Father's called us to be and doing what the Father has called us to do. We're told there are weights and sins that slow us down and try to get us out of our lane and get us off track. And if we're to win the race, we have to ditch the weights and the sins and look to Jesus. The New American Standard Version says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus in order to win. We must study how he ran his race so we will know how to run our race. Are you with me? The Greek for looking unto Jesus implies a looking away from other things and a looking to Jesus. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of my favorites, says this, Fix not thy gaze upon the cloud of witnesses, 
they were not the originators of victory. They obtained their victory because they looked to Jesus for themselves. He says, look not on the weights and the besetting sin. You've set those aside. Don't fixate on your past failures. They'll drag you down. But look to Jesus so to start the race and so to finish the race. We can learn a lot about race running from our Lord Jesus. He is the ultimate example of how to fulfill the Father's plan for our lives. So how did Jesus fulfill the Father's plan for his life? How did he do it? Well, we read it in our reading. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He didn't focus on what he was going through. He focused on what he was going to. What enabled Jesus to go through the pain of that beating, that scourging? He looked to the joy that would come because of our healing that would come from those stripes. What caused him to endure the suffering of being on that cross, y'all? Suffering there in front of everybody. The crown of thorns, being stripped naked, that kind of suffering. What caused him to endure it? What enabled him to endure it? The joy of our salvation. He looked past the bitter cup of his suffering and looked to the sweet taste of victory that was on the other side of that cross. And Paul told us that we're to be like-minded. Listen to this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in an appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. While he was going through the, the condescension and humiliation of being a bondservant, he, he, was, he was going through that. While he was going through that, he was considering the fact that his name which was considered to be the name of a criminal hanging on a cross, that name was about to be on the other side of the suffering, exalted to the highest heavens. And that name would be given as a gift to men. And there's salvation and no other name. He would give that gift. And all men could call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Aren't you grateful for that name? Hallelujah. He was focusing on what was on the other side, what he was going to. So he kept running, and he stayed in the race. When he was tempted to turn aside and get out of his lane and, and rail against those who were mocking him, he stayed the course. He stayed in the Word. He quoted Scripture on the cross, and he looked at those who were crucifying him and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he just kept on running. He kept giving it his, his all. When he was tempted to escape and just run away from it all. He said himself he could call 72,000 angels who would set him free. He said, remember Peter cut off the ear of that guy. And, and, and Jesus, it had to be this messy, awkward scene. Jesus reaches down and, and puts the ear back on the man. And he says, Peter, listen, don't, don't do, put your sword away. 
Don't you know I could call 6,000 uh, legions? I could call, call 72,000 angels right here, right now to, to deliver me. In 2 Kings 19, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. Think about that. So you say 6,000, at least 72,000 angels, they could kill 185,000. I mean, he could have destroyed the world, as the old song says. 13 billion people could have been wiped out by the angels that were at his disposal. But he stayed the course and he pushed through the pain. And, and the reason why, because of the joy that was set before him. It was not about what he was going through. It was about what he was going to. There was a prize on the other side of that trial. I want to remind somebody today, there's a prize on the other side of the trial that you're going through. There's a prize to be looked at. Keep your eye on the prize. Paul said that to the church at Philippi. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. you got to keep your eye on the prize. And, and look, we've got we to keep it real. What we go through in no way compares to what Jesus went through on the cross. But in our own situations, we can apply what he practiced to get through his trial to go through ours. We can have the same mindset, and that's what Hebrews 12 is telling us to do. Every trial has with it a sense of shame. Jesus, the Bible says, endured the shame on the cross, the shame. Every trial has with it a sense of shame. Everybody say shame. Jesus did not enjoy the shame, and neither will we. Jesus despised the shame. The Greek word for shame carries the idea of a sense of disgrace and dishonor. It also connotates the idea of the confusion that comes along with it. Matthew 27 tells a story at around 3 o'clock in the afternoon while Jesus was on the cross. Toward the end of his suffering, the shame and confusion became obvious for the man Christ Jesus. And he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm telling you, shame brings with it questions. And when you're at the peak of your trial and the intense part of your trial, you're going to question like never before. Those questions come from the shame and confusion, the humiliation that you're feeling while you're exposed and vulnerable and seemingly spiraling out of control. Have you ever asked God why? It's awful quiet in this Episcopal church. I've already picked on the Episcopal, so I might as well go for it. When I worked for them, they said, Donovan, don't work anybody up into a froth. We don't want anybody raising their hands. That's the truth. They did tell me that. And I never made anybody raise their hand. But I'm going to tell you something. As we sang the praises of God, people lifted their hands, Episcopal or no Episcopal. I wish some Pentecostals would get a hold of some of that. You know what I'm saying? I'll praise the Lord no matter what. If I'm going through a trial and I've got lots of questions, my questions won't stop me from praising the Lord. I'll praise Him anyway. On the cross, Jesus was singing psalms of praise to God even while He was asking why. 
When you have those questions, that's part of the trial. Don't be discouraged, beloved. That's part of it. I've got questions. I don't have the answers. It's part of the shame that you're facing. And when you're facing that kind of shame, you're literally going through hell. Daniel 12, 2 says that shame is part of the torment of hell. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's what hell feels like. That confusion constantly. I'm telling you, being who the Father's called you to be, doing what the Father's called you to do, will take you through seasons of suffering. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. I was in a pastor's conference recently, and in that pastor's conference, one of the pastors got up and said, listen, gentlemen, the first thing you say to people is you, you don't tell them they're going to suffer as a Christian. You tell them to come check out Jesus, you know. That's the way the disciples came, because somebody said, come and see. Then later, later, Jesus said, now come and die. And I'm like, well, you know, bait and switch, I suppose. I don't know if that's scriptural or not, but there is this fact of a cross that we are to bear. Take up your cross. There's some suffering that we're going to endure, but we can watch how Jesus endured it. It wasn't about what he was going through. It was about what he was going to. Our reading concluded with, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy of having fulfilled his destiny was now his to enjoy and to share. I want to encourage you today, whatever you're going through, that's not the important thing. What is God trying to take you to? Some of you have suffered. Some of you are going through some difficult seasons. But I want to encourage you not to give up. I've got good news for you today. The victory's been won. The Lord's going to come through. His arm is not short that he cannot save. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. He's heard every prayer, every cry. He's heard every praise. He's heard the words of your mouth. He's seen the faithfulness of your heart. You just endure, beloved, because God is going to bring you through to the other side. Would you stand with me right now? There's legend surrounding the events of the Battle of Marathon. And it tells about this herald named Pheidippides. Pheidippides. This is from 490 BCE. And, and prior to that Battle of Marathon, Pheidippides ran a round-trip distance of 280 miles. Okay. He ran... 280 miles to Sparta in this unsuccessful attempt to gain their support in the fight against the invading Persians. Upon his return, he was called upon once again. So he just got through with 280 miles. He was called upon once again. You did such a fine job. We want you to make this last dash of 26 miles from Marathon to Athens. We want you to tell about the victory that we are now experiencing. You, you couldn't get the help there, but we've got the victory, and you need to go tell those in Athens, our brothers and sisters, that here in Marathon there is a victory that has been obtained. 
It's some good news. We need you to go tell the good news of the victory that's been won. Philippides put on his tennis shoes. Boy, tennis shoes have been in the news lately, hadn't they? Put on his tennis shoes. And, and he began to run 26 miles. That's where we get the idea of a marathon. Began to rant, run 26 miles. Comes to that final ascent at the Acropolis in Athens. And he gallantly looked at his countrymen and he said one word Nike. He really did. Nike. Because Nike meant we've won the victory. He was bringing good news of victory. And then poor old Philippides collapsed under the exhaustion and died. He died right there. Those were his last words. But it was a picture of a preacher bringing the good news of the battle is won. And I've got good news for you today. In your trial, in your difficulty, as you're running this race, as you're carrying that cross, the victory has already been won. And Jesus is going to bring you through to the other side. Paul said the suffering of this present time, is nothing can be to be compared to the glory that is on the other side. Listen, you may get it over here, but you may get it on the other side. But either way, you're going to win because Jesus has promised it and he is sharing the spoils of this awesome victory with his followers. It's not about what you're going through, saints. It's about what you're going to. Can you lift your hands to him right now? We praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.